Is the church ready to listen? Amen. Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 5, and we'll begin there in just a moment. Also, if you have your bulletin close by, I know some of you just are glued to it. I want you to look at the front page, and I want to highlight a couple of things that's taking place this week. And I really want to encourage you to be praying about these two events and to be a part of these uh, if you can. The first one will take place this Saturday, April 23rd. A great opportunity with our Ladies' Day. Great opportunity to reach out to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers to invite ladies to be together uh, as they celebrate the goodness of God and just be together to worship. And Laurie Vanderpool, the daughter of Jean and Ruth Ann Stallings, will be here uh, to share the Word of God with the ladies. And uh, I just want you to be praying about that. And ladies, I know y'all have been putting a lot of time and hours into planning this day. And so I hope, ladies, that y'all have a great day next Saturday. Breakfast and lunch will be provided, uh, so take an opportunity to be a part of that. One other one, next Sunday at 5 o'clock, we're going to be showing the movie War Room. How many of you have seen that movie? Raise your hand. Okay, even if you have seen it, we want you to come back. If you have not seen it, we really want you to come. It's another great event for you to invite somebody to be here with you. It's a great movie that focuses and hymns in on the importance of prayer and the hope that prayer brings to our life. Where would we be today without the power of prayer? Amen? And so this movie just highlights that and a whole lot of other things about the Christian faith and the Christian life. It'll be a great opportunity. It's going to run from 5 till about 7 o'clock. I'm going to conclude that time with a short devotional thought and just highlight a couple of things from the movie, and then our evening will be dismissed. But we really want you to take part in that time together. And before we study, I'm going to ask that we go to God in prayer and pray about these events. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can be together as your people. We always, Father, look forward to those opportunities that we have to lift our voices in praise and worship to you and to have time where we can just be in the Word. And I pray that you bless that time together this morning. Father, for the two events that we've been talking about and that's been building up for several months, for our Ladies' Day and for the special movie War Room that we'll be showing next weekend, I pray, Father, that these two events will be ways that we can engage you, ways that we can draw closer to you. And I pray that you will bless these two events. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. I want you to think about this question before we even read Luke chapter 5. How does Jesus take us? How does Jesus take me from where you are right now? So that means you've got to be thinking about your spiritual journey. You've got to think about where you are on that journey. How does Jesus take me from where I am right now to where he wants me to be? And I'm not judging that you're not where he wants you to be. I'm not saying any of that. But you know that in our quest to hunger and thirst for God 
and to want more knowledge and to want to grow deeper in our relationship with Him, we should always have that heart and that desire to want to go deeper. We should always have that heart and that desire to want to always be where Jesus wants us to be. That's the question I want you to think about as we look this morning in Luke chapter 5. Probably been a few weeks since Jesus and Peter had met. Gospel of John tells us that Peter had first been introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew. And in the previous chapter of Luke, in, in verse 4 of verse 32, it starts telling us how Jesus is going around and he's healing many people. And one of those that he runs across, Peter comes to him and says, Man, I got a real problem. My mother-in-law is ill. She is deathly sick. Can you come and visit her? Can you come and pray over my mother-in-law? And so that was an occasion that Jesus and Peter had to meet one another. And so when you start looking in Luke chapter 5, it dawned on me this week as I'm reading this that up until this time in the Gospel of Luke, Peter has been what I want to call this morning a part-timer. And here's what I mean by that. He knew Jesus, had probably spent some time with him, but his relationship with Christ was just kind of casual. It was just kind of uncommitted. And as I started looking at that, I thought about our own walk with Jesus. Do we ever struggle with that? Do we ever struggle that our relationship with Christ may just be kind of casual? It may just be kind of uncommitted? Again, I'm not judging you today, but church, let's face it. We struggle in our relationship with God, don't we? We struggle in our walk with God. Satan gives us a hard time, doesn't he? Satan is always there knocking and coming around the corner and doing everything he can to kind of pull us away. And the more he pulls, the more we also feel pulled and tugged to be closer to Jesus. And we always find ourselves in that balancing act of how do I, how do I try to live in both places? And reality is this, you can't. You can't be a part-timer. You can't be half-committed. What Jesus invites us to and what Peter begins to realize as he is involved in this scene with Jesus is this. Jesus demands more than just you showing up periodically. It's one thing to know Jesus. It's another thing to really be in love with him and be sold out completely to his following. You see, what Jesus wants more than anything, he wants his children to be sold out to him. And a lot of times what we do in our life, we struggle and we give a little bit to him here and there, and the rest of it is, well, we'll just kind of see what happens. It's kind of that part-timer attitude. And so this occasion on the Sea of Galilee was evidently Jesus' second call to these disciples. He had previously called these four fishermen, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, to follow him. 
and they had traveled with him in Capernaum and in Galilee, according to Mark chapter 1, but then they had returned to their fishing business. So really it was just, we're going to follow Jesus for a little bit, and then we're going to go back to what our vocation is, and it's fishing. I mean, they, that was what they did. They knew all about fishing. But the time for a deeper level of commitment and involvement had come. Maybe that time is here for us. Maybe that time is here where Jesus is pulling at our heartstrings and he's asking us to go a little deeper with him than we've ever gone before. And I know that's a scary place to go. When you go deeper and you go down to the deep waters of faith, it's scary because maybe we've never gone there. Maybe we've never been there. But it's where Jesus calls us to be. He calls us to go beyond being a part-timer, just casual, committed to him when we want to, to being completely sold out every day. So look at me, look with me in this text in Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it's the Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, he said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so. You've got a pen or a highlighter, I want you to underline that phrase. But because you say so. What does he say next? I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they call over and signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left, what's the word? Everything and followed him. Now, here's the setting. Peter and his friends have been out fishing all night, and now they're up on the shore doing what any good fisherman would do after they had fished. They're cleaning their nets, and they're getting ready for the next trip. And so it's been a long and rough night. They had worked hard, but they haven't caught a thing. And Jesus comes along, and things get interesting real quick. Just as the occasion always was, anytime Jesus would speak, large crowds would gather 
to hear him. And they wanted to hear more about this Jesus. Some just came because they were just a little interested in what he was going to say next. They had heard that he had been healing people and doing all these miraculous things. And so they show up seeing what Jesus will do next. Well, the crowd becomes so big for him that he asks Simon, he says, Hey, you know, I really need your boat. And he asked him to put out into the water a little bit. And so, I love this, his pulpit now becomes a boat. One of these days, I'm going to have a boat up here that I can preach from. I love that. And so, here's where it gets interesting. He continues to preach some more, and then the crowds go home. And it's about midday. And Jesus turns to Peter in verse 4, and look what he says. He finished speaking, and he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, there are all kinds of reasons that Peter could have given for not doing this. Number one, and it makes perfect sense, Jesus is not a fisherman. Yes, but he's Jesus. I understand that, but in Peter's mind, he's not a fisherman. And so what he's asking him to do makes no sense to a fisherman at all. He's just a preacher. He's a nice guy, but when it comes to fishing, Jesus should leave the heavy lifting to guys like Peter and his friends. Number two, it's the wrong time of day to be fishing. It's too hot. You see, the best time for fishing on the Sea of Galilee was at night close to the shore. And then, besides all of that, Peter and his friends are tired. They've been out all night. Nothing had happened. So all of that, from a logical standpoint, makes sense to Peter. And so those are all good reasons that Peter could have said, you know what, there's no way that I'm going to listen to this and do what you're saying. But he doesn't take that spirit. In verse 5, he says, Master, look, I'm tired. I've been fishing all night, and at that point you're thinking, man, again, he's going to go right into it. He's going to lay down an excuse that we would probably do, right? Don't be too hard on him because we would do it too. But here's what he says that's so powerful. But because you say so, and even if there was a sigh there, what does he say next? I'll do it. You see, when you and the will of God match up, the will of God always trumps. Amen? Why? Because he said so. Because God knows more than what we know. He sees the bigger picture of things better than we do. And so even from a logical standpoint, when it makes sense to go the other way, because Jesus says it, we need to do it. And what we realize is this. As you read the story of the Bible, every time God asks his children 
to do something and they obey, blessings will come. But on the other hand, when God says to do something and we say, nah, I don't think so, I'm going to do what I want, what happens then? Well, we know that story, don't we? We know how that turns out. Church, it is always the right thing to do to follow the will of God. And on this day, you can see that Peter is growing in his relationship with God. Because here is something that matches up with his vocation. And he could have said, you know what? You're not a fisherman. I am. That makes zero sense. Not going to do that. But instead, he follows through with the command. And in Peter's reply, he reveals his respect when he calls Jesus master. I want you to underline that word master. Another word there could be teacher. It's the Greek equivalent of rabbi. And so Peter shows his love and his respect for Christ by not letting his better judgment hinder his obedience. When the master teacher says to do something, even when it goes against all odds and it goes against what we think we know, we put aside our judgment and we follow suit. And I wonder this morning, where are those areas in your life that you really need to hear that calling? Where is it in your life that you're so tugged by Satan to want to give in and want to do what he wants you to do rather than just saying, but because you say so, Lord, I'm going to do that. Is it really that hard to do? Is it really that hard and challenging to say, but because you say so, I'll do it? Maybe it is. Maybe it's the challenge. Maybe it's the selfishness and the pride on our side that says, but I know better. And I know that my plan right here looks pretty good. It may look good, but if it's not in the will of God, it's not good. And if that means changing something, the example we see here, you change it. If that means following a new set of commitments and a new set of desires, that means we do that. But really, what Jesus is asking Peter to do is this simple. He's asking him to trust his word. He's asking Simon to try again, even though he had failed in the past. And that is so important for us to listen to this morning because how often do we allow past failures, how often do we allow past sins to keep us from serving the Lord right now? I mean, some of you may be here this morning, you may just be paralyzed in your faith, and you may not really be serving God because you're allowing something in your past to keep you from being where God wants you to be right now. I believe that God has the power to resurrect that. Don't you? I believe that God has the power to look at us as his children and say, you are forgiven. 
And not only are you forgiven, but you have another opportunity to serve me. It's one thing to feel forgiveness from God, but you know where I think we struggle daily? We struggle with forgiving ourselves. We stay stuck in it. And church, listen to me this morning. That is nothing but the hand of Satan at work. That is nothing but Satan wanting you to feel that that's where you need to be. But here's the reality. We will never be where God wants us to be if we allow something in our past to just keep us right there. So I ask you today, where do you long to be in your relationship with God? I mean, if you could just be like bewitched and just, you know, snap just like that and wiggle your nose and just, zam, here it is. What would you do? What would you wish? My question is, instead of wishing for it, have you prayed about it? Have you really searched and said, Lord, this is where I want to be with you? It's not here because this isn't good, if that's what you say. If that's where you are in life, realize God has something bigger in store for you. Don't let self be the one from keeping you from being where God wants you to be. So do you see what happens? He puts out in deep water. He lets down his net. What does it say? I mean, he can hardly get the fish in the boat. And then he calls over to his friends, hey, need your boat, need your help. What happens to them? So full. I mean, it's filling over, isn't it? Look at the blessings that come our way when we do it the way that God says to do it. And then when he sees all of that, this is one of my favorite parts of the story in verse 8. Peter and his friends are so shocked and surprised by the amount of fish that they've caught. And then it's kind of like the wake-up call, and Peter falls to his knees, and he declares, he says, I'm a sinner. How, how can I do that? How can I even imagine where I can be because I have sinned against you? And here's what I believe that Jesus teaches him his recognition of sin was the starting point you see a lot of times our guilty conscience says because we're a sinner we're done because we're a sinner we can't go any farther when we realize and recognize and can throw our arms up and say i am a sinner that's the starting point that's where Jesus wants you because when you do that, you know what happens? He's got your heart. He's got it all. And that's what he's after. What Peter didn't realize, that was the greatest move he could have made. Falling to his knees and admitting, I am a sinful person. So am I. Any other sinners here today? If we weren't, no need to be here, right? Folks, we're not perfect. We don't have it all together. 
we are so much like Peter, it's scary. But praise God that day, Peter went deeper. Against all odds, against his own will and his own desire, probably didn't want to, but he went deeper because Jesus said, here we go. There's a great song that we have sung that's been around since 1877. Now, I'm not saying you've sung that that long, but I want you to turn to 915. Great message in this song. And I want us to join, and I want us to stand as we sing this song. We're going to sing the first verse. We're going to sing the fourth verse. That's right. You may know you're a Church of Christ person this morning if you sing the fourth verse. We're going to sing the fourth verse of this song and the fifth, and then you can be seated and we'll bring our study time to a close. Let's sing this like we mean it. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Now sing this like you mean it. Trust and obey, for there's no seated Peter obeyed even when it didn't make sense and I wonder will we obey oh it's easy to obey when it looks good and it makes sense to us but will we obey when it's not clear I want you to think about that that day what started out as a sermon to a crowd changed. And Jesus went from focusing on a crowd to focusing on an individual. And the good part that day is this. Peter changed how he thought 
about himself. And this morning, our call and our challenge from this text is to realize that God is coming to us. God is calling us by name, just like he called for Simon Peter. And when he calls us by name, what he wants us to do is to listen. To listen to his word, to listen to his way, to listen to his will. And as we have just sung, to trust it and to obey it. You see, when you trust and you obey and you put it into practice, blessings and favor fall from Almighty God. And they fall to us. He's inviting us to join Him in a powerful mission to a lost world. And what Peter began to realize that day is you're no longer just going to be fishing for fish. You're going to be fishing for souls. That's what he calls us to. You see, that's a whole new mission. That's a mission bigger than ourselves. That's a mission that includes everybody. And he's calling you by name, just like he did Peter, to be his person to accomplish that. Yes, us, sinful people, that can be made whole again by the blood of Jesus. And so as we stand to sing this morning, I wonder, will you answer that call? Will you answer that call to lay aside your selfish desires and wishes and to answer yes to the call that I will be everything that I can be in Jesus' name to serve him. I want you to think about that as we stand this morning and as we sing this song. Keith. I am mine no more. I am mine no more. I've been bought with blood. I am mine no more. Jesus is mine.
seated. Jesus is Lord, my Redeemer, how he loves me, how I love him. He is risen, he is coming, Lord come quickly. Patrick uh, communicates the thought for our sister Dorothy Pierce. Um, Glenn Barnett will have uh, a short announcement, and then I thought Wayne was up here, but I'm not sure. One of you guys got it. Uh, will lead us in closing prayer. I just noticed that Joel Casey is here. Is that Joel? Hey, brother. It is good to see you back. We can rejoice with that. Amen? Amen? All right. I love Dorothy Pierce. 65 years ago, when Lamar Avenue was at our old location, Dorothy went forward that morning. The invitation song was Trust and Obey. And that was the day that she decided to put Christ on and baptism. 65 years later, today, she says, I'm still not where I want to be. Love that heart. Still searching, still growing. And she says, I want to know more. Well, Peter had no idea that day the lasting impact he would make. Jesus calls us to go deeper. Dorothy's heart this morning says, I want to go deeper. Dorothy, thank you for that example. Because I'll tell you, folks my age, 
and younger generations, we need to hear those words today that we can still go and we can still go deeper and we can still make it because we have a Savior that loves us that much. This is a special woman and I thank her for her heart today and I'm going to ask that we go to God in prayer right now. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for the way that you touch our lives and Father, we've been touched this morning by your word, power in your word, Father. We've been touched by the heart of Dorothy Pierce and her desire to still say, after 65 years of walking with you, that she wants to go deeper, that she wants to know more. Father, we thank you so much for her heart and her desire and her great example to this church. But Father, more than that, we thank you that we have a great Savior that we can follow and that we can come to and that we can realize that we are made worthy because of Jesus and his blood. Thank you for that. We give you the glory and the praise and honor today. In Encourage Dorothy today as she has encouraged us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.